the message this morning is about using the right kind of wisdom. All right, so we're still in the book of 1 Corinthians, which you'll get used to. We're going to be in it for months and months at this rate. Um, but we need to understand how to use the right kind of wisdom, because there's different kinds of wisdom. And that's what we're going to discover in the passage today. When I was a kid, um, I had like kid kind of wisdom. You might have had this kid wisdom as well. When we were kids, we were told that if you touched a toad, you would get warts. That's right. Remember that? If you touched a toad, you would get warts. That was kid wisdom. All the kids told each, each other that. Like, oh, don't touch it. You're going to get warts. Right? So we were also told that um, if you went outside with wet hair, you'd get a, a cold. Right? None of these things are actually true, but it was our wisdom. It's what we shared with each other. Like, oh, don't go outside with wet hair. You're going to get a cold. Um, we also were told that we only use 10% of our brains. Right? It's actually not true. Scientifically, they've proven you use a lot more than 10%. You might not use it. You might, you might not use all of it, but you'd use way more than 10% to do what you're doing. Um, I also was told that coffee would stunt my growth. Now, that may have been true. My brothers are taller than me. Uh, but it doesn't stunt your growth. Swimming after a meal could be the end of you, right? You could get a cramp and you're going to drown, right? All of these things have been proven not to be true. They, they, but they were, as, as young people, and even some of the adults, my grandmother used to be the one that said, nope, you can't go in the water until a half hour has gone by, because otherwise you're going to get a cramp when you're out there, and you're going to drown. You know, that was, a, that was the wisdom that she shared with us uh, when we were at her lake house. And so um, there's all these different things that we have heard that were supposed to be wise, like... If you swallow that gum, it will stay in your body for how many years? Seven years. Why seven? Right? Actually, it does not stay in your body for seven years. It might stay in there for seven hours. Right? But that was the thing, that people were telling other people things, and then other people would tell other people. It was like that old shampoo commercial. And then you'll tell two friends, and you'll tell two friends, and so on and so on, until everybody believes that if you swallow your gum, it's going to stay in your body somewhere for seven years. That was childhood wisdom. It's been proven not to be true. So as we think about the things that we and the world think are true, they may not be true. We have to allow that to be an option for us in order to begin to understand God and God's word and what God calls foolish is what the world calls wise, right? We learned this as we've been studying these first couple chapters, right? It, you know, what Paul means by foolish, if you look in 1 Corinthians, you can turn in, in, the, in the Pew Bible there to page uh, 10, 11. But what, what the world calls foolish is actually wise, and what God calls foolish is actually foolish, right? 
God's going to call some things foolish in this passage here. So I want you to remember that in, in chapter 1, verse 18, it was the word of the cross seems foolish to the world, right? So that's where it's with this whole idea of wisdom and foolishness begin to be, be discussed. What's happening here in this, in this book is that Paul is writing to his friends in Corinth because they're not acting very wise. They're starting to act foolish, And God wants to bring correction to the church so that it can walk in the wisdom of God. In verse 20 of chapter, of chapter one, God kind of flips things and said, God made the world's wisdom foolish. So the things that the world thought were wise, like if you touch a toad, you'll get warts is actually foolishness. It doesn't actually happen, right? So God has, has sort of flipped things. The preaching of the cross, it says in verse 21 and 22 of, of, of chapter 1, the preaching of Christ crucified sounds foolish to the Gentiles because they're seeking after power and wisdom. But God has somehow flipped things so that now Christ is the power and the wisdom. You see that? God's kind of turned it all upside down. In some in some circles it's called the upside down kingdom the things that you know things that god says are are good the world says are bad the things that the world says are bad you know god says are good you know so it's like this upside down understanding in verse 25 of of chapter of chapter one god's foolishness is wiser than any human wisdom in verse 27 God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise, as he's talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. So this was the mystery of God. This is the mystery of God that God is revealing to his church at this time as Paul is preaching to those in Corinth. And we need the Holy Spirit's power to give us the faith to believe in the wisdom of God when it seems foolish. When it doesn't make sense. We concluded last week when Pastor, Pastor Gary was preaching where he taught your faith should not be based on human wisdom from verse 5, chapter 2, but on God's power. So that's where we ended. We, we sort of walked through this, this discussion that they're having. Now remember, Paul is trying to bring health to the church. The church is getting unhealthy. Because it's sort of falling into foolishness. They're comparing, uh, you know, one, one teacher over another. And I follow this person and you follow that person. And they're dividing up and they're, they're having problems. They're having more problems as we'll discover as we study this book. But what he wants them to understand is, in a sense, their own limited knowledge, their own limited wisdom is not enough for them to figure this all out. And we're going to look at that now in our passage for this morning. So we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. So if you turn in your Bibles and sort of follow along there, you'll be able to understand the discussion that he's having. Now, this is important to us because we end up in the same boat as the people in Corinth. We end up thinking that the world's wisdom is wise and sometimes thinking that what God's word says is foolish. But that's backwards. And Paul is trying to straighten this out and trying to straighten us out by using God's word in our lives. So continuing in verse, in verse uh, 6 here of chapter 2, I want to I read a couple verses and then we'll discuss them together. So in, in verse 6 it says, we do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature 
but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, no human heart has conceived. God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now, verse 10, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. I'm going to just stop there for a minute. So what he's mentioned here already is that there's two different kinds of wisdom, right? Number one, there's, there's, there's human wisdom. The wisdom of this age, he refers to it. Or the wisdom of the rulers of this age, those who are philosophers and those who are in charge of sort of the government and in charge of the society uh, there in Corinth and in, in the Roman Empire. There's that kind of wisdom, and he, he puts this little comment in there, which comes to nothing, which is coming to nothing. So all of that wisdom is going to end up meaning nothing, right? That's what he says there in their verse. And then there's God's hidden wisdom in a mystery. So it's like a, a mystery wrapped within a, a mystery, and then inside there is the wisdom, right? Now, the interesting thing is this is not like a mystery, like a Sherlock Holmes mystery, right? Where if we were as smart as Sherlock Holmes, we could look at that, that detail. We'd see that dust. We'd see that fingerprint. We'd see that, th- that clue over here. We'd put all the clues together, and then we would figure it out. This is a wisdom that is so far beyond our ability to figure it out that the smartest of the smartest can't figure it out. They did not know that God was going to send his one and only son to take our sin upon himself and die on a cross, a Roman cross, and rise again three days later and defeat sin and death. Nobody could have conceived. That's what that verse says. No, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human heart could have conceived or has conceived or has thought of this. This mystery within a mystery that God was able to to pull off is something nobody could figure out on their own. God prepared it. Here's here's something we have to realize. God prepared this for those who love him. For those who love God will figure out the mystery. Those who love him. Now, Now, Jesus talked about love. In fact, he was asked a question, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Just, just love God and love your neighbor as yourself. If we love him, and none of us do it perfectly, but if we continue to grow in our love for God, this mystery will become clear to us. It'll become clear because we have the help of the Spirit. So, now it says in verse 10, now, now, it's the word there, now in verse 10, three little letters that make all the difference, now God has revealed these things to us. Now, so I don't want you leaving here this morning thinking that there's still a mystery out there 
that God is hiding from us and we have to figure it out. I'm going to say that again. Don't leave here this morning thinking that there's still a mystery out there that God's somehow hiding from us that we have to figure out. He's already revealed it in Christ, through the cross, through the resurrection. The mystery of God is out there. Now it's to be proclaimed. Guess what? Jesus died on a cross for your sins. You can be saved and you can have eternal life by putting your faith in him. That's the mystery. You got it. It's already been. Now what, what's happening here is we're reading back in time. Remember, Paul wrote this over 2,000 years ago, right? So it hasn't yet been preached. It hasn't yet been taught that Jesus has done what he's done. And so it is in the process. So, so remember, the now is when Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth. Way back then, this mystery has been revealed. He's revealed these things, it says in verse 10. Now, these things are the birth of Christ, that God would be born in the form of a man, that he would be fully God and fully man. That's a mystery, right? The Trinity is a mystery. Now, God has a son, and then the Spirit will also come and be God in person. So these things are mysterious. It takes a lot for us to put our, put our faith in. But these things are revealed to us in the scriptures. So the things that he was referring to is Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, that we could have eternal life. Those are the things. So these things that are revealed to us are revealed by the Spirit. Now, there's this discussion that takes place in verse 11, and I want to I read it here. So after he said these things, the spirit is the only, the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So the spirit and God, you know, they, they share these things together. After he says that, he says, for who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God, right? So think about this for a moment. If I choose a number in my head, and you, you get to choose, but my, I'm going to tell you, my number is between one and infinity, right? <laughs> choose. Lauren, tell me what it is. What's, what's the number I'm thinking of? No. <laughs> and we could do this on and on and on and on, right? Until, you're, until you thought of 63. Right? So, so I'm the only one that knew that. And no matter all the guesses you had, so no matter all the philosophies of this world and all the great thinkers and all the, the people who think they've figured out like how we got here and where we came from and did we climb out of the mud like slime, you know, all of these things that people think of, they never could guess how God has really done it. Because God's wisdom is not the same kind of wisdom we have. And it has to come from God. And so, in his generosity towards us, in his love towards us, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we don't have to figure it out. The Spirit will show us. The Spirit will teach us. This is what he talks about next. In this passage, starting in verse 12, there's really two kinds of spirits. So there's two kinds of wisdom, human wisdom and God's wisdom. And when God has revealed it to us through the cross and through the gospel, right? 
And now look at verse 12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world. So there is a spirit of this world. So that's one kind. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God. So two kinds of spirits. The spirit that comes from the world, which basically everybody in the world has, right? And then the spirit that comes from God, which is given to us by faith in Jesus Christ. When you come to faith in Christ, you are born again of the spirit. The spirit of God comes to live within you. And then he has a purpose. He has work to do in you. He's going to rebuild you from the inside out. He's going to change some of your attitudes. He's going to change some of your mind, some of your thoughts. He's going to change some of your behaviors. It'll work its way out into your life. But that's going to be the work of the spirit, not the work of the spirit of this world. Why do we need God's spirit? It makes it very clear in the, in the second part of verse 12. So now we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit that comes from God. Thank you, Jesus. So that, and here's why. So that, can you read this with me? We may understand what has been freely given to us by God. So let's try to put this together. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ has come, lived his life, taught, laid down his life, died on that cross, took our sins upon himself, paid the penalty we could never pay, and then he has risen again victorious, defeated sin, defeated Satan, defeated everything, and and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for us, and he has sent us his spirit to help us to understand everything that he has done to understand what's been given to us by God. What's been given to us by God? Name a few things. Salvation. Thank you very much. You get a gold star. The Holy Spirit. What else? What else has he given us? How about forgiveness? Oh, thank God. He's given me forgiveness for my sins. Anything else? His love. What? Eternal life, right? So even when this body dies, we're not going to die. Our soul will live on in eternity with him. So to understand all these great things that he's given us, we need his spirit. Because we could still get confused. If we didn't have the spirit, we'd be trying to figure out, what is eternal life? What is it? Let me figure it out. Let me see what that's going to be, right? So Jesus has been freely given to us. We never earned it. We couldn't buy it. He's given to us by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. So now, as disciples of Jesus Christ, who've been given the Holy Spirit, he has now sent us out into the world to go and make disciples. In other words, to teach them what we have received from God, to help them to understand. But we need to understand in that process, so as we talk about disciples who make disciples, disciples who go out and make more disciples... Do not forget the Holy Spirit, because the role of the Holy Spirit is to teach people about salvation, 
about the forgiveness of their sins, about eternal life. It is the role of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You're not the Holy Spirit. You may have the Holy Spirit living and guiding and helping you within your life, but you're not the Holy Spirit for that person. They need the Spirit's revelation themselves. They need to have the Spirit open up their eyes and their heart to receive all that God has given them. So sometimes in our attempts to share the good news, we do fall right flat on our face, right? We don't understand because we're trying to use our intellect to reach their intellect and change their will. And that's the work of the Spirit. You can have intelligent conversations about your faith. I'm not saying you can't, but you need the work of the Holy Spirit to be happening at the same time in and around that person to open them up to receive the grace of God, to receive the fullness that Jesus has come to give us. So we, we, we can't reason our way through and convince someone. I know there are some people in your lives, some of them very close to you, your brothers, your sisters, your, your family members, or you have had so many conversations with them, sharing your testimony. You've been telling them about Jesus, and still it hasn't come together. Not for them yet. Keep going, by the way. Don't give up. But involve the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit into the process. And just keep praying for them. Say, Holy Spirit, open their eyes. Open their eyes to understand what Jesus has done for them. I've done my best to try to explain it to them, and they still don't get it. Because the Holy Spirit has to be a part of that process in order for them to change. So we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, not only to teach us, to change us and transform us and sanctify us, but to help us in teaching others and making disciples so that we don't lean on our own human wisdom because human wisdom only goes so far. So as we obey and as we go out into the world to, to share the gospel of Christ with others, don't do it in your own strength. Make sure you've prayed yourself up. You continue to pray and ask God to use you and to allow the Holy Spirit to flow into that conversation in, so that they can see by the Spirit. They can see by the light of the Spirit. Let's put it that way. So that it like, lights up what's being said. So that their understanding comes from God. Because it isn't us who save anybody. As individuals or as a church, we're not saving anybody. Only the Spirit of God brings life and brings salvation. So let's read verse 14 for a little bit of proof here. It says, the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit. What comes from God's Spirit? Understanding about what God has done for us. So a person without the Spirit cannot receive what comes from the Spirit. So it puts us in a funny position, right? Because... Well, wait a minute, I thought we we're supposed to tell everybody about Jesus. Yes, we are. We're to tell them about Jesus, but we're to remember that it's the work of the Spirit that comes alongside. And Paul talks about this later when he says, Apollos might plant the seed and I might come along and, and you know, water the seed, but it's God who makes it grow. God who makes it grow. So you can put the seed in the ground and you can cover it up with some soil. And you can water it, you know, every other day and put in the sunshine. But you don't make it grow. God makes it grow. 
There's basically the same concept here that he's talking about. He's trying to help them to understand the person without the Spirit can't receive what comes from the Spirit. And here's that word again that we've been talking about. He doesn't receive it because it's foolishness to him. It's foolishness to him. It's like he can't make sense of it. And some of you are in this position in your life. You're reading the Bible. You're trying to figure out what God is doing in your life and around your life and in the world or whatever. And it doesn't make any sense to you because you're leaning on your own understanding. You're not inviting the Holy Spirit into that processing that needs to take place to help you to understand. So he doesn't understand, and I'll say in this case, Christ's sacrifice, because it has to be evaluated, our version says, evaluated spiritually. Now, a different word for evaluated is judged or discerned or perceived or understood or recognized. So in order to recognize what Christ has done for you and receive salvation, there's an evaluation that needs to take place. And the only one who can help with that is the Holy Spirit. So let's start with what makes this spiritual person able to see things so clearly. It's wisdom. Wisdom from God. So let's continue to read. It has to be evaluated spiritually. Verse 15, the spiritual person, however, can evaluate or can understand everything. And yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone else. So it's funny, this word evaluate. It's, it's, it's not as comfortable as some of these other words, maybe not understood or recognized by someone else. For who has known the Lord's mind? Let's just finish these verses. Who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Sounds a little bit choppy, a little bit confusing, right? So let's take a couple minutes with it. See if we can grasp this with the help of the Spirit. Let's think about another passage that Paul wrote to another church. This one is Galatians, the church in Galatia. In Galatians, he tries to help by really illustrating the difference between this type of thinking or this type of living, which he'll call, in this case, he calls the flesh or the world, the the human wisdom versus spiritual wisdom. So human wisdom, walking according to the flesh, according to sort of just being a human like everybody else versus spiritual wisdom. I'll start in verse uh, 13 of Galatians 5. If you want to turn there, you can do that in your Bibles. It's not too far away. This is another letter that he's writing to another church that's in trouble, trying to give some wisdom to them from God. So he says to them, you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh. But serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. I say this then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. 
These are opposed to each other so that you don't know what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, let me let him describe here. This is what it means. The works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. In other words, and on and on and on. This is the, the, the result of human wisdom, the walk in the flesh. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's made it clear. He sort of even painted the picture and and put in all the colors. This is what that life is like. This is what that life looks like. But, verse 22 of Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying each other. So remember, go back to, I follow Apollos. I follow uh, Peter, I follow Paul. You know, they're, they're, they're divisive. They're envying each other. They're, they're, they're causing problems within the church because they're walking according to the flesh or human wisdom. They're not walking according to the spirit. So now turn back to, to Corinth. We were, we were in Galatia for a minute, but I just want you to see Paul's message is consistent with the churches. We struggle in these areas because we have both kinds of wisdom available to us. That's why this message is called Choose the Right Wisdom, right? You can lean on your flesh. You can, you can go with, with what you know and what only you know. Or you can lean into the Spirit and receive from God what only He knows and build your life on that type of wisdom. So in, in 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, For who has known the Lord's mind that He could instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. So those who've received the Spirit have the mind of Christ available to us to choose, to live in, to walk in, because we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's job in us is to change our thinking from the human pattern of thinking to a spiritual pattern of thinking, to a different way of thinking, the the way of love, the way of peace, the way of patience. The way of kindness. See, human wisdom and Christ's wisdom are different. Christ knows the mind of God. The Spirit knows the mind of God and can lead you in that wisdom. But you can't lead yourself there on your own. Without the Spirit's help, you can't lead yourself there. In fact, in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking about his departure when he leaves and ascends to heaven after he's gone through the cross and the resurrection, he ascends to heaven. And he says, when I go, I will not leave you as orphans. The father will send the spirit. And the word there 
that he uses is, is a Greek word, didasko. Didasko is a word that means teacher. So this spirit, teacher, will come. And I think we need to remember that, that we're, we're, we're students of the teacher. And the teacher is the spirit. And when we don't look to the teacher for instruction, when we don't follow the teacher's instructions, we're going to naturally go to the flesh. Naturally go back to the way we were before we knew God. Those behaviors are still available to us. You can still have fits of rage, right? There's days when you do. Don't lie. There's times when you do lose it with someone. You're impatient. You're not kind. Me too. Because I'm leaning into what I know in my own self. And I'm not leaning into the spirit and what the Spirit can reveal to me and help me with, really empower me for. See, the Holy Spirit's our teacher. Jesus was a teacher for the disciples. He was there in the physical, and we always say, oh, I wish I could be there. But, but he only had a small group, so we couldn't all be in his small group. If Jesus was here right now, we didn't have the Spirit, we would need to be with Jesus. But there'd be so many of us around Jesus that we couldn't even see him anymore. We'd be like, I think he's up there. What did he say? What did he say? You know, because we, we couldn't get close to him, right? So he had his, his 12 and a, and a few others. They, they followed him around. They could be close enough to him to see him, to hear him, to ask him questions. Like if you look at the gospels, you see that dynamic going on. That's the same dynamic we should have with the Holy Spirit. We should be looking for him. We should be listening for him. We should be asking him questions. We should be in that type of relationship with the spirit because he's our new teacher. Jesus in bodily form is not our teacher. We learn from the gospels, but he's not here. No pastor should replace him. No teacher should replace him. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to replace him. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a teacher inside of you. Are you learning from your teacher? Are you listening to your teacher? Are you letting him instruct you and correct you, by the way? We don't really like correction, but that's the way we're taught. If I'm doing it wrong, show me how to do it right. Because I want to do it right. Right? So all of this is leading Paul through this discussion. Because he wants them to realize they have available to them the right kind of wisdom. They're just not using it. And the, the proof of that, and I won't steal too much from chapter 3, but if you just look at the ver- first verse of chapter f- 3. For my part, he says, brothers and sisters, I was not even able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as Babies in Christ. That's a whole nother sermon. But this is what's happening, right? These are believers. I want, I want to encourage you. You know, they, they know Christ. They, they've heard the message that Paul preached and the other, the other disciples, and they received their salvation. They have yet to develop their relationship with the Spirit of God, their new teacher, So that they're following after him. 
they keep leaning back into their past, and they're starting to act more flesh-like, more like the old man than they should be acting in the newness of the spirit. So one of my favorite verses from the Bible is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, two verses. Let's read this out loud together. How's that? Wake you up a little bit before you go home. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways, know him, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. When I put something in like parentheses like that, it's because I want you to understand it's, it's, it's a relational thing. To acknowledge him, but to know him. To know him. This is, this is the relationship that we are offered through Jesus Christ. The spirit comes and lives within you, and you can know the spirit. When you study the Bible, you can hear his words. You can hear what his character is like. His wisdom becomes clearer. Do you know that the, the biblical persona of the spirit of God is wisdom? He's considered wisdom. You know, this is, this is wisdom being the spirit of the living God, right? So the spirit of the living God, which is within us, is wisdom. We need to listen and learn and use that wisdom as we develop a relationship with God. And so I want you to understand, if you, like me, realize you lack some wisdom, We have great encouragement in the book of James. If any of you lack wisdom, any of you? Any of you lack wisdom? I know I do. He or she should ask God, who gives to all generously. Here's the thing. Sometimes I think you sit there and you think that God only gives wisdom to pastors and to, you know, evangelists or to teachers. God gives wisdom to what? All. All of you can have wisdom. He gives his spirit generously to all who come to him through Jesus Christ. He is a generous God. So he gives it to all of us generously and ungrudgingly. Now, what's grudgingly? Like, all right, I'll give it to you, but you don't deserve it. You know, I guess I have to give it to you. He does not have that attitude towards us. He loves to give us wisdom. He wants to give us wisdom because it helps his glory to show up in our lives. We're making wiser choices. We're treating people better. We're living more like Jesus than like our old self. It glorifies Christ when he gives us wisdom. So when you ask for wisdom, he's like, here you go. I'm happy. I'm glad you finally asked. Here you go. Here's a whole bunch of wisdom. Here's my spirit to guide you and help you and teach you. And every day, you can, you can pull more from that. It's never going to run out. He gives it to us, and we are to ask for it. Holy Spirit, Father God, Jesus, give us wisdom. We lack it. Some of us more than others, but we lack it. We need more. We need more of your spirit to guide us and teach us and help us. Because this life is very challenging. We go through very difficult problems, things we could never solve in our own wisdom, our own thoughts. 
but we serve a great God who is eternal, who has infinite amounts of wisdom. And by the spirit of wisdom, he pours it out on us. Forgive us when we turn to our old patterns, to our old way of thinking. Forgive us when we look to the world for wisdom. God, we do that way too much. We Google everything as though that's where wisdom comes from. But God, wisdom comes from your spirit. So fill us with your spirit so that we may have more wisdom as we walk these lives you've given us. We want our lives to glorify you. We want to be able to bring people to Christ. And that can only happen by the power of your spirit. So thank you that you have given us your spirit. Help us to ask and receive. Every day, get up, ask for more, and receive more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.